0: I don't believe in no one's scenarios. Data, data, data. I cannot make bricks without clay. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another Cheeky Scientist radio show. This is Isaiah Hinkle. Today we're talking about cover letters. Now, Cheeky Scientist has. Said and maintains that a cover letter uh, should only get a proportionate amount of your time and energy investment. Too many of us, as PhDs, similar to our resumes, we think, okay, this is something that I need to write, so it must be the most important. As PhDs, we're taught that writing is everything. The things that we can do by ourselves, behind a computer, that's where we should invest the majority of our time during a job search, but it's simply not true. Yes, you want to get your resume done correctly, have a template set up, so to speak, that you can quickly adapt and change and target to every individual position. But once you have that template set up, the tweaking, the targeting shouldn't take much of your time at all. Where you should invest the majority of your time is to into getting job referrals. I mention this because the job referral process, connecting with people, finding out the person who's responsible for hiring for a position is crucial. It is the differentiator. And it's tied into what we're going to talk about today with cover letters. Now, when it comes to a cover letter, you must include a cover letter. But just because it's a must does not mean you should spend most of your time there. Instead, you need to follow best practices. Use one of the two different cover letter templates I'm going to walk you through here on this show. And the rest will take care of itself because a cover letter will differentiate you. Too many people, they do what is called, they spray and they pray. They just spray their resume out there. They upload hundreds of resumes, seriously, hundreds, Uh, if you haven't reached that level of desperation yet, you likely will before you finally say, oh, I can't get hired this way. Certainly not in a recession. I need to get a job referral. I need to network. I need to set up informational interviews with people that are working in the jobs that I want to get into. And we've covered aspects of everything that I just said in different radio shows. Uh, So make sure that you go back and listen to some of those um. so you understand what we're talking about today in context. There's a reason that all peer-reviewed journal articles, or most of them, after the abstract, they start with a background section because it discusses the context of the work as well as the significance. And so that's what we're taking a moment to do here. Your cover letter overall, in terms of sequence, it's part of your professional profile, so to speak, along with your resume and your LinkedIn profile. Um, the cover letter, you should submit your cover letter with a resume, but sometimes your cover letter can be as simple as an email. Let's say you get a job referral and you get directly connected to a hiring manager or a recruiter uh, and you reach out to that recruiter or hiring manager by email. You attach your resume. Your cover letter can be in the body of that email. Now, of course, on the other end of the spectrum, applying to a a job such as a management consulting job at a tier one consulting firm such as McKinsey & Company, Bain, Uh, would require a very formal cover letter, and they have a very specific process for that. So context does matter. Uh, As far as the sequence goes, that's what I mean when I say spend an appropriate amount of time on your cover letter. Do not obsess about it because it's more comfortable to you. And as a PhD, written things are comfortable. We, We spend years updating our CV and making it six pages, seven pages, eight pages. The longer the CV, the better. We think that written things like letters of recommendation from our PI are our key to success. But then we sooner or later find out that a letter of recommendation from our PI is meaningless in industry. In fact, most employers don't even ask for it. They might ask for a reference, usually somebody who's known you for 10, 20 years. It can even be a personal friend. If it's somebody that you've worked with, it's more than likely somebody that you've worked side by side with uh, in a lab or in a classroom. They're not looking for some sort of academic letter of recommendation. So let's put the cover letter in its place, but at the same time, it is crucial to differentiating you from everybody else who's just uploading resumes and not specifically targeting their efforts to a particular position. You should do this. So let's start with the uh, some simple guidelines here. Three ways to send a cover letter. The first one I just mentioned, type into the body of an email with the resume attached as a word formatted document or similar. Uh, using a, uh, a PDF is the ideal. I highly recommend a PDF because it is the most transferable from one operating system to another. Uh, it's the most uh, transferable file type overall for a variety of reasons, just the way that it's it's saved and how uh, readable it is um, by different uh, computer types and of course operating systems. Uh, when you send it by email, if, you, if they open it with a preview, uh, it'll be opened properly Uh, Much more often than a a Word document, for example, uh, or uh, a Word, uh, a similar document like a a Word document where it hasn't been saved as a PDF. Also, uh, somewhat obviously, a PDF, you can't edit in the same way that you can a Word document. You wouldn't want somebody to get a hold of your resume as it's being passed up the chain, for example, and accidentally delete something or delete a page, the second page, uh, or otherwise. So send it as a PDF. This is a very common question. Uh, And it's one that we should be answering up front. So you will type the cover letter into the body of the email, and we'll go through what the specific content would look like uh, a bit later. And then you will attach a PDF of your resume, ideally. Uh, The second way is to uh, send your cover letter as a separate uh, separate PDF uh, along with your resume. So you send uh, two different PDFs, two different files, uh, this is the ideal if you have to upload both your cover letter and your resume to a uh, job uh, job board uh, or somewhere that's asking you to upload both items do it separately unless it asks you for the third way which is integrating your cover letter with your actual resume now some online portals some online uh, sites such as indeed uh, depending on where you're uploading it on monster sometimes they will integrate both your resume and your cover letter together. Sometimes the cover letter will be presented at the top of your resume. Other times, uh, which is commonly the case on Indeed, it will be presented at the bottom. So you wanna get familiar familiar with how it'll look on the other end. Um, And you can do this with simple online searches. Uh, How does XYZ site display the information to employers? Dig in, do your research. All of you can do this because you have a PhD. So those are the three ways. The body of an email as a separate uh, file, a separate PDF, ideally, or integrate it into your resume. Make sure you're following the instructions uh, wherever you're uploading the document. Of course, ideally, you'd be sending it to uh, someone directly because you would have received a referral. But if you're uploading it online, read the directions. What are are things that you must do? So, if we had to prioritize uh, really the critical factors. The things that you must do for a resume, uh, uh, for a cover letter to go along with your resume, in order for that cover letter to be appropriately received, uh, for that cover letter to stand out, and for it to show your organization, to show your skills, to show your fit with the company. We've narrowed it down to seven things for this show. Now, the first thing has to do with format. The page size should mimic the standard for the country you are applying to. Okay, so for example, A4. Uh, for Australia, UK, and Europe, and then US letter for USA. So look this information up because depending again on the computer, the software program, uh, the operating system that you're using, the, uh, the app that you're using, it might change these settings. So make sure the format is correct. It should only be one page. This is the second uh, critical item. Uh, It should only be one page. If it's longer, you must shorten it. And I'm going to give you two templates here coming up next to use that will help you. The third key, the first paragraph is only a sentence. Now, it can be a couple of sentences, but ideally it's one sentence. And this is really to highlight the importance of doing one thing in this first paragraph. Now, As PhDs, do your research on this, you're going to see all kinds of opinions for what should be in a cover letter. I can tell you, in today's world, the cover letter is less important than it ever has been before in terms of having a very long cover letter, something that's very formal. Again, there's a few positions where this might be asked for. And if you're asked for it, or if somebody at a specific company that you set up an informational interview with tells you to do something specific for that company, first, Do a fact check and make sure they actually understand what the hiring manager at that company wants, right? If they're not into hiring and they just got hired with their cover letter, maybe their cover letter was awful and they weren't going to get hired, but their resume was good enough, or maybe the employer overlooked their cover letter even though it was so bad. You don't know. Most people don't know if their cover letter was good or bad. They can just say, Well, I got hired using this cover letter. That's an N of one, a sample size of one. It doesn't mean anything to you. Okay? So instead, Make sure you uh, carefully evaluate where you're getting this information from. As far as the information I'm giving you, this is best practices. After helping thousands of members in our programs get hired, all with PhDs, what we've seen across the board is that the first paragraph, if you can name drop, now that that phrase has a a bad connotation, um, but what it means is, is put the name of your referral there, somebody you set up an informational interview with. It's an easy ask if you actually put in the work to have, to set up an informational interview with somebody. If you know somebody working at a company and you've had a conversation with them, you've talked to them long enough just for them to know that you're normal. If you follow our informational interview process, which we have gone through in uh, earlier radio shows, then it's very easy for you to ask them if you can use their name on a cover letter. If you just, just ask them, if you can mention that you have talked previously on a cover letter. I would stay away from asking them, can I use you as a reference, unless the informational interview went extremely well, if you've talked to them several times. uh, That's not a big ask, but if you're concerned, just say, can I mention uh, on a cover letter that we've had a discussion before about working here? Most people will say, no problem. And just having that name on, on the cover letter is okay. And in most cases, you don't need their permission to put their name on a cover letter if you just had a conversation. I recommend getting their permission. I recommend letting them know that you're going to put their name on the cover letter because, of course, the hiring manager is going to go to them and say, hey, did you talk to this person? And if that person has a hiring manager come up to them and ask them about it, you don't want to cause them any sort of distress. To you know, They probably maybe don't remember having the informational interview with you. They might feel slighted in some way, so ask permission. But if you mention it correctly, it's not a as big of a deal as you might be thinking. If you just say the truth, like I had a conversation about so with so and so about what it's like to work here and I think this company would be an excellent fit for me. That's perfect because it's all true. You didn't say whether that person liked you. You didn't say that person was recommending you for a job. You just said you had a conversation with them. Now that's bare minimum. You know ideally you'd would have had several conversations with this person and asked them if they could recommend you for the position if the conversation got that far, or you could simply ask them if you could use their name as a reference on the cover letter. And then always follow up with that person to tell them that you used their name on a cover letter and you applied for that position that you guys discussed during your informational interview. That's number three. I'm going to come back to that because it's very important. I'm going to show you on these templates that we're going to discuss coming up uh, where you should enter that person's name, and, and I'm going to give you some actual scripts for what that sentence would look like. Now, number four, it must be addressed to an actual person. Now, of course, you can upload resumes online all day, on, all day long, generic resumes. You can take the same resume and upload it hundreds of times. Maybe you'll get lucky, who knows, right? There's always outliers in any data set. Um, but in this case, when it comes to cover letters, starting the cover letter with to whom it may concern or, uh, you know, uh, Dear hiring manager, you don't want to do this. It comes across as very impersonal, and it means that you didn't do your research. You didn't find out who is the decision maker for this role. Of course, anyone who sends a cover letter addressed to a person, and the person reading it sees their name, they're going to have an immediate advantage over the person who's sending a uh, generic salutation. Think about how you feel when you open an email or a LinkedIn message that was clearly sent to Thousands of other people, right? Maybe a a recruiter sent something to you and also to everybody else, and they didn't even put your name on it. It's not such a big deal that they sent that message to multiple other people, but they didn't even personalize it with your first name. And not having the first name there is a sign to you that they did not personalize it. And if this is something that you had said, I want to receive this information, like let's say you got on some sort of mailing list for recruiters to send you information, Fine, but if they're just sending it to you where you didn't, that leaves a bad feeling uh, in the other person's, uh, in terms of the other person's uh, respect, their perspective, and, and how they're how they're seeing the letter, right? So if you get an email from somebody that says, "Hi Jane, uh, just wanted to send XYZ to you," right? They give you rationale, they mention you uh, your name, they make it specific. Uh, it's going to make you much more open. Much more open to receiving what they're communicating than if you get something that says "to whom it may concern." Right? It almost sounds like it's a a letter from uh, the the government or from uh, you know somebody saying you owe extra taxes or it just doesn't. It's it makes you put up walls, and you can look more into this. There's a lot of behavioral psychology behind it, but it's going to save you time, of course, to send out a generic salutation. But it doesn't make the other person on the receiving end more likely to read it. It doesn't. It's almost like they're receiving something from a computer system instead of a person. So even a cheeky scientist, when we have thousands of PhDs who want to get our next blog article, we always make sure that we put the first person's name as long as they were okay to give us that name and say, hi, so-and-so, right? And we try to personalize it as much as possible because that's important. You want to treat people like a person. And so do this too. Even if you're applying to hundreds of jobs – Try to find as many of the names as possible for the hiring managers you're applying to. Do that actual work. Very important to do, and often it's very easy uh, to find. Much more easier than you might think, and we'll talk about some strategies for finding the names of hiring managers, uh, find the names of the decision makers uh, to send the cover letter to. Number five, the second paragraph is only about how your experience matches the role you are applying for. So again, first paragraph is to mention Really three things I'm going to get into this in more detail with the scripts, but you're mentioning the person who referred you for the job, ideally somebody who works at that company. You're mentioning the company and the position, right? That can all happen in one sentence. The second paragraph, this is going to be a bit longer, but not too long. And it's about how your experience matches the role you're applying for. It's future facing, as in you have these skills and have achieved these results, results which are relevant to the results the company needs you to achieve in this new role. Leave off any information that's not directly relevant. Do not just copy and paste bullet points from your resume here. Uh, That is something that will um, look very poorly. It'll leave a bad impression also because the things on your resume, they're not personalized the way that a cover letter is personalized. That's why there's a cover letter, to make it personal. The third paragraph, this is uh, number six. the The sixth most critical item to do for cover letters, it's about the third paragraph. It, this paragraph needs to be specifically on the value you bring to the company. The value you bring to the company, for example, um, think of, uh, in this case, I want you to really focus on your transferable skills, okay? Really focus on your transferable skills. The second paragraph, that's where I would include any specific technical skills. Don't get too specific because it's very likely, even if you have some specific technical skill in academia, uh, that the skill is called something else or it's done at a different level or a higher level, or maybe it's done by advanced robotics in industry. So try to focus on those technical skills that uh, give rise to the more niche specific technical skills. And then in the third paragraph, I want you to get even more broad in terms of scope, the the very transferable skills, things like communication skills, cross-functional collaboration skills, risk management, change management, project management, those those recession specific transferable skills we've discussed uh, previously in previous radio shows, number seven. Every job needs a new cover letter. Okay, we're driving home that point. It's the seventh and last critical item item here. Every job. If you're repurposing an old cover letter, be careful to edit the company name, the name of the contact, the date, etc. I've seen so many PhDs make a mistake by taking a cover letter template similar with resume and they don't edit. Out things that were put in for the previous company. Be very careful when doing that. Proofread every cover letter. It's more important than the cover letter because the cover letter is written in terms of a narrative, and people's names, if you're doing it right, are listed in the cover letter. Now, there's two templates that work very well. The first is the one that is uh, you know the longest lasting, the most uh, I, I would say the ideal one to use if you're concerned with how. Um, how carefully you need to construct it. If you're concerned with um, the the style, uh, something that no matter what company is looking for, they'd be looking for the style, just use the the go-to business format letter style. And this is called different things in different countries, but it's just a business letter. And since this is by audio, I'm going to describe it in a bit more detail. It's where the paragraphs of the cover letter are left justified. In fact, everything is left justified except for your personal information, which is right justified at the very top. So that's how the letter start, starts. This is your, your generic business format. Uh, the template itself is called a paragraph format. In the top right-hand corner at the very top, you have your name with your PhD at the end or PhD candidate, your street address, right, including city, state, postal cor- code, your phone number, Email, make sure those are ones that you'll actually respond quickly to. And then your, uh, your LinkedIn URL is under that. And then on the left-hand side, left justified, and you can find this business letter format online. Just search business letter format. Left justified at the very top. A lot of people forget this, but the date, the current date needs to be there at the top. Left justified. Below that, um, with a paragraph space below that, is the recipient, the, their formal name. Then below that's the recipient's formal title, their job title. Then below that is the address of the company on two or three different lines. Then there's a paragraph space, and then it says, Dear, person's name. And again, you want to use their actual name. Then there's a paragraph space again. This is all left justified. Uh, There's the first, the one sentence of the first paragraph. If it's a couple of sentences, fine, but it can be a simple sentence. The second paragraph, right? So you have a paragraph space between every single paragraph and then the third paragraph, and then a paragraph space, sincerely, paragraph space, and then your name, and the title beneath that. If you're at a university, you can uh, mention you know PhD at XYZ department and the university uh, below that. So that is your business letter format. I'm not gonna go into this format in too much detail because it is extremely common. You can look it up online, business format, you can see the paragraph space and you download it for free. Use that, if in doubt, for which kind of format to use, use that. Now, the second format is called the T format. I love this format. Employers across the board love this format, but be careful because a lot of companies, uh, especially in the management consulting space, uh, some of these similar, more, I would say, um, classical business spaces, like let's say you want to get into a quantitative analyst or um, you want to get into a Equity analyst, uh, you know finance certainly. Uh, these more classical business spaces will often say business letter format for the cover letter. Um, otherwise, consider using the T format. So, just like the previous format, you have your personal information in the upper right hand corner, and then everything else is left justified, starting with the date, and then the, the name of the person, their title, their address, then dear so and so, and then below that, you have the first paragraph, which again can be a sentence. And then after that first paragraph, that first sentence, and this can all be in one paragraph, simply write, below is a comparison of your job requirements with my qualifications. You use a colon, and below that, you have a table, a two-column table with uh, a title, quote-unquote, your job requirements on the left, and then another title in the right-hand column, uh, quote-unquote, my qualifications. And all you're doing here is you're matching them up row by row. You asked for this in the job posting? Or, you know, these are my notes from the informational interview. So-and-so said, you're looking for this. And then on the right side, these are my qualifications uh, that show you that I can meet this requirement. So the skills and results go on the right. Your skills and results go on the right. And then on the left are the job requirements. I would make up to five rows, maybe seven at the max. You don't want it to be too long. Remember, it's all got to be on one page. And then you have a simple sentence at the bottom that says something along the lines of, I would welcome the opportunity to discuss your job requirements and my qualifications with you. I will contact you in a couple of days to follow up. Thank you in advance for your consideration. Paragraph space, sincerely, paragraph space, your name and title as before. Now, how do you find out who to address the cover letter to? I told you we are going to come back to this. Okay, we're gonna finish by discussing two things, how to find out who to address the cover letter to, and then finally, specific scripts on that first paragraph first impressions matter. The first paragraph, which can be one sentence, needs to have three components. I'm going to give you specific examples there. That's where we're going to end. But first, how do you find out who to address the cover letter to? Number one, this might seem the most shocking, the most scary, something that you would never do if you haven't been doing your job search for a long time. Call the company right? You know the company. In every case for the job you're applying to, you know the company. So all you have to do is call the company's phone number. Even if it's a 1-800 number and you have to start there and get transferred to a few different departments, find out who the person's name is. Now, if it's a huge global behemoth, right? I'm talking like 10 or 20 of these companies that a lot of us PhDs think about. And we think that all companies are this size. They're not, right? Like the Pfizer's, the Apple's, the Amazon's, et cetera. It might be a bit more challenging. But for small companies, mid-sized companies, which are actually pretty big, a small company in the industry is 100 to 1,000 employees. Mid-sized is 1,000 to several thousand. Most of these companies you can call and find out who's responsible for the job. Number two, your informational interviews. All you have to do in most cases is find one person working at that company, have a conversation with them, elevate their credibility, ask them what they like about the job, how they got into it, especially if that person has a PhD, they're going to fill that. that desire to give back to others who have struggled to leave academia, if that's where you are, network with them, set up that informational interview and then ask them who's responsible for the job or ask them first, what jobs are coming up in the pipeline, bring the job posting to them. So when they turn to you and say, well, enough about me, what about you? You can say, well, I saw this job posting. I'd love to apply to it, but I don't know who's responsible for hiring. They might say, well, give me your resume. I'll pass it along to the hiring manager. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, And then you want to follow up saying, well, could, you, could I follow up with you by email to see who the hiring manager is just so I can send them a, a cover letter uh, to be as professional as possible? Most, t- most often, they will say yes if you do the informational interview part correctly. Now, if you want to know how to do an informational interview part correctly from A to Z, just do a search online for Cheeky Scientist Informational Interviews eBook. We have a great ebook on that that'll walk you through the process and has everything there step by step, completely free. Number three, read through the job posting thoroughly. You might think this is ridiculous for some reason as PhDs when it comes to reading an article, um, a peer-reviewed journal article. We will read it very carefully, right? We we and over time we learn where the information is. Over time, maybe we learn the field so well that we can jump to the results section, etc. We've built up that knowledge base. When it comes to a job search, though, most of us are lacking. We are lacking in our job search uh, knowledge. We are lacking in our job search network. We don't know where on the job posting the hiring manager's name is often listed. I've had so many PhDs in our programs come up to me, even after going through our trainings, say, "I, I can't find who the hiring manager is. Do you happen to know? And I go to the posting. I'm like, well, let me see the posting. And then it's on the right hand side. They had to click a button and it says, you know, see who the hiring manager is on LinkedIn. And then it shows who the hiring manager is for that position. That's right. Sometimes there's a small link you're not even looking for where it'll show you who the hiring manager is and how to find them. Okay. So this is really important for you to understand. Make sure you scour that page for links, especially if it's on LinkedIn or Indeed or another job search site for who the poster is, because very likely the person posting it is tied to that page somewhere you can find them through a link. Number four, and finally, do an online search. So here's, Here's some good news. We have written an extensive article about this. I don't have time to go into all the different software tools that you can use now to find uh, the person to uh, address the cover letter to. Of course, you can use LinkedIn. There's also a lot of email searching sites where, as long as you know the, uh, as long as you know what the email address is for a particular company, like if it's at Pfizer.com, etc., and if you know anything about how the email uh, names are structured, most of them hint. Are first name only, first letter of first name with last name, first name period last name or first name dash last name. Those four are 90% plus of the corporate email addresses. Why does this matter? Because there's lots of sites, lots of strategies you can use to find a person's email address. Now you might be thinking, well, isn't that illegal or stalking? No, it's doing your research. You're trying to find the person's email address and name so that you can send them directly a message with. Your, your resume. And that to them is a valuable transferable skill that shows that instead of telling them you can do research, show them you can do research. Instead of telling them that you know how to follow up or you know how to communicate, show them, follow up, dig in. If somebody reaches out and we've had people do that to us at Cheeky Scientist, they send an email specifically with the with cover letter and with the resume, it's like, wow, this person really wants this position. They went above and beyond. They didn't just spray and pray. They didn't just upload resumes everywhere online and hope for the best. They made it as easy as possible for the other person to read their information. They sought that person out. They wanted the job so badly. This is the extra effort that it takes to get hired during a recession. Now, as far as the software tools, which ones to use, we have a, a complete article on this just do a search online for ways to find the name of the person to address your cover letter to. So search Cheeky Scientist or go to our website. Our, uh, you can go to CheekyScientist.com slash blog and just search for this article or just start a fresh search on whatever search platform you use. Cheeky Scientist, comma, ways to find the name of the person to address to address your cover letter to. And of course, any combination of that, you'll likely find the article. We'll put it in the post show notes as well. Last thing, I want to give you at least three scripts for how to open that cover letter so that when people read it, they understand that you are applying specifically for this job at this company and you know somebody who works at that company. Think, if somebody reads a cover letter with one of these scripts, think about how powerful it'll come across in terms of how much uh, favor they will give you over other job candidates just by seeing this information front-loaded in the cover letter. Too many PhDs, we learn we learned to bury the lead. We like hide information. Think about almost every academic presentation that's ever been done or you've ever seen. They start to build a story. They show better and better information or better and better data. And then finally, the last slide has like the best data, the best information, the best conclusion. Don't do that because everybody's asleep at that time or they've already moved on to another job candidate in this case. Instead, front load the most important information at the top of the cover letter in that first sentence in that first paragraph, which can be only one sentence. Here's an example. It was in conversations with XYZ that I came to learn about, uh, learn the following about company Y, and with excitement have decided to pursue ABC position. There's a lot of uh, letters there, filler letters. I'll, I'll use an example of, of a person's name and a company name to make it uh, sound a bit better here since you're listening uh, only. It was in conversations with Jane Doe that I came to learn the following about Pfizer. And with excitement, I've decided to pursue this research scientist position. See how specific that makes it? It also shows them that you know what you want. You know exactly what you're getting into. You give them a sense of certainty right away. And we've been talking about this for weeks, showing certainty that you want this job, not others is crucial because employers right now during a recession are looking to hire the least riskiest candidate. And the very first way they evaluate whether or not you're risky is if you really want this job. Here's another script. After a mutual contact put us in touch, uh, Mr. President or Mrs. CEO encouraged me to apply to the open position X at company B. I'm writing in response to this request and with great interest in, work, in the work being done at uh, company B. So what would this look like with uh, names put in? After Jane Doe put us in touch, uh, John Doe encouraged me to apply to the open position at Apple. I'm writing a response to uh, her request and with great interest in in the work being done at Apple. Very similar, right? The overall script, while that can be helpful, what is the information that's being conveyed in both scripts so far? Number one, somebody else's name, somebody who works at that company. Okay, Somebody that you've talked to at that company, number one. Number two, the company itself, use its actual name. And then number three, the position. Verbatim, the position title as it is posted on the job posting or as uh, it was told to you during the informational interview. The third one, after speaking with XYZ, I am enthusiastically applying for position X at company B. I am writing with keen interest in company uh, Company B's core values X, Y, and Z because they mirror my own. I love this one. Now it's two sentences. Two sentences. That's fine. For the first paragraph, it says: After speaking with Jane Doe, I am applying for position X. So I'm applying for the uh, engineer position at Intel. I'm writing with keen interest in Intel's core values, uh, innovation. Diversity and um, growth, because they mirror my own. Anytime you can match your values with the company's values, you might use something in terms of culture here. Because I'm really interested in the company's uh, strategy and culture too. You you immediately tie the company to you. You immediately show them that you're aligned. And again, what do you do by doing this? You further reduce risk. All right. So these scripts will help you again. The three things to include at the beginning of every cover letter: the person. Uh, who gave you the referral, somebody you've talked to at that company, the company, uh, the company's name, and then the verbatim job title you are applying to. Use the T format or the paragraph format, the standard business format for your cover letters. Make sure that you're paying attention to the specific format in terms of the country, whether it's A4 or U.S. letter. Um, make sure that you're structuring that first paragraph uh, as we discussed extensively, but the second paragraph needs to discuss how your experience matches the role you're applying for, this paragraph can focus a bit more on the technical side of your skill sets. And then that third paragraph finally needs to focus more on the transferable side of your skill sets, specifically the value you're bringing to the company in, in terms of team-oriented value, even your overall core values, how your mission, uh, your one-year, your five-year 5, uh, five year strategies or, or goals match the company's one-year or five-year goals. This will make you have a cover letter that stands head and shoulders above other job candidates, and will help ensure that you get hired. This takes us to the end of this radio show. As always, remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting as a successful industry professional. Are you worried about the rapidly shrinking job market? Like me, have you been seeing more and more articles on universities shutting down their research labs, furloughing employees, cutting postdocs and TAs? and even withdrawing PhD student funding? If so, it might be wise to start taking steps to protect your PhD career. You've worked very hard and very intelligently for years to establish yourself, but likely you have not reached your full career potential yet. Perhaps you're not even getting respect and you're not getting the rewards that you deserve. The good news is you can get into an industry career where you can get paid well for doing meaningful work. All you need is the right knowledge and the right network. The Cheeky Scientist Association gives you lifetime access to the world's number one PhD-only job search training platform with multiple courses and the PhD-only job referral network of over 10,000 plus industry PhDs. Now is your chance to become a lifetime member for 20% off of the association. Just use the coupon code CheekyRadio Radio at www.phdsgethired.com. That's phdsgethired.com. P-H-D-S-G-E-T-H-I-R-E-D.com. Simply type phdsgethired.com into your website browser, scroll to the orange membership button and click on it, then enter the coupon code Cheeky Radio to get 20% off a lifetime membership now. No recurring monthly fees no recurring annual fees, nobody else offers this. PhDsgethired.com. Use the coupon code CheekyRadio. Remember your value as a PhD and remember that knowledge is power and your network is your net worth.